On today's episode of The Mismatch, Chris Vernon and I got into a whole bunch with a game of do you believe? Do you believe Jeremy Grant is for real? Do you believe the Raptors aren't going to get back? Do we believe Cade Cunningham will be the clear number one? We got into all that, including the latest news around the league with some of the cancellations, as well as the latest on Kyrie Irving. All that next. It's The Mismatch, presented by FanDuel. The road to the NBA Finals starts now, and FanDuel is the place to get in on the action. Right now, you can check out the new and improved Quick Bets, which are back and better than ever for the NBA playoffs on FanDuel. Find what you're looking for faster and easier with more props right at your fingertips. You can check out live bets like three-minute markets and exclusive live bets like quarter player props, player assist combos, and more. So download the app today and bet with FanDuel, official partner of the NBA. The Ringer is committed to responsible gaming. Please visit rg-help.com to learn more about the resources and helplines available and listen to the end of the episode for additional details. Must be 21 plus and present in select states or 18 plus in D.C. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit rg-help.com. Can I rant for a sec? I'm used to that, so go ahead. Pay apps are way too public. (laughs) What happened? Some rando hearted a payment from five months ago, and I realized people could see my entire history, who I'm paying, like their full names. It's super weird. Hmm. Yeah, that is weird. Okay, then how are you paying people? What are you doing? Apple Cash. It's all in messages. You can literally send cash like a text, and it stays between friends. Random people can't see it. Did you just pay me a dollar on Apple Cash? Services are provided by Green Dot Bank, member FDIC. Terms apply. Welcome to The Mismatch. I'm Chris Vernon. And joining me as he does every Tuesday from TheRinger.com is Kevin O'Connor, a.k.a. Kevin O'Bomber, Kevin O'Connor, Kevin O'Climber, Kevin O'Candyland, Kevin O'Conflict, Kevin O'Kindness, Kevin! Verno, what's up this morning? Big news in the Kevin O'Connor world. Yeah. I just, well, <laughs> I just got a massive press release. I didn't, but <laughs> I, I was made aware that you are going to be on the Ringer NBA show feed again. Yes, I'll be back on the Ringer NBA show feed, co-hosting a show with J. Kyle Mann and Jonathan Sharks called Ringer NBA University, and that starts on Wednesday this week. Uh, If you're listening on Tuesday, that means tomorrow around noontime Pacific. I think our pod will go up, and basically Ringer NBA University is going to be us focusing on the younger players in the league their development, their team fit, what their futures are going to look like rather than, you know, the latest news, the latest games, what the stories of the week are. We're going to be just focusing on the younger guys in the league. And I'm, I'm excited to get going on and it'll be every other Wednesday, at least to start on the ringer NBA show feed. So be sure to, you know, go back to that feed on Wednesdays. uh, Listen to the ringer NBA university show. I'm I'm pumped about it. It's going to be fun. I am too. I can't wait to listen. All right. We are going to do a game of do you believe? And I have 10 different statements about the season so far. And we are about, what, 10 games into the season in most cases. So we're 10 games into the season, and we are going to play this game. All right, Kevin, let's start. Do you, do believe? you believe? 
Do you believe that the is that, season... Is that a, sh- a share song? Do you believe? No. Is that like a lyric? Oh, yeah, it is a share song. <laughs> do you believe in life after love? love is that the lyric? Love. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm not even going to try singing. I'd love if you did, though, Chris. What does that even mean? Do you believe in life after love? I, I, I think life after love could mean... You know, oh, when you lose to, love, lo- yeah. When you lose, yeah, like like you lose love and oh. rebuilding after that. Oh, okay. And, and, and you know, starting over again. Yeah. All right. She was scantily clad in that video. I remember that. <laughs> what? She was. You don't, <laughs> I don't remember? remember. That? I don't remember. Oh yeah, no. she was like she was like sixty years old wearing a thong. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, everybody that remembers song, that. that song. Came out in nineteen ninety eight. Yeah. All right. <laughs> 19, wow. 1998. So she was Can we get to the damn 52. game? <laughs> yes. Okay. Okay. Do you believe <laughs> that the season will go on without having to take a long stoppage or delay for a period of time? Um, I, I believe that the NBA is going to try to do everything they can, just like the NFL did, and just power through it. And so in that sense, to answer your question, yes, does that mean it's the right thing to do or not? No, it does not mean it's the right thing to do. Uh, <laughs> but it, it, for the NBA right now, we are at a point with all these cancellations, all these guys out with the health and safety protocol, the Kyrie Irving news that we'll get to in just a moment where he was apparently at his sister's 30th birthday party without a mask on. That would mean he'd have to quarantine or you know sit out for X amount of days um, there's challenges <laughs> right now. Like this is one of the tough points of the season for sure. And we'll see how the league operates as it gets through it. But you know, I, I wouldn't be surprised if the NBA just tries to power through. We just saw other leagues do this. We are postponing games already though. Are postponing games. Like it's but, gotten to but, that point, right? We've pause, made it, but a pause, I can't uh, like, you know, cancellation, you know, for extended period of time for the entire league. I'm not sure. We'll see that. Do we just expand the rosters to 20? I mean, adding more players could add more risk. There, there's a pushback against that. Yes, you have more available people to play mm-hmm. rather than having teams have seven guys, eight guys, which, by the way, that's what we were concerned about before the year when we talked right. about this was the roster size. It wasn't 50 plus guys like the NFL. This is, you know, smaller rosters. Um, you know, uh, that wouldn't shock me if we see some type of roster expansion at some point. But then again, like I said, there's a counter argument to that with more risk being involved. What I think we're going to see from my understanding is the NBA's meeting today on Tuesday is really about some of the other stuff. It's about practices. It's about shoot arounds. It's about what happens after games with players seeing each other and probably putting tighter restrictions on a lot of that to prevent the, the person to person contact um, as much as possible. And, you know, man, like it's show, it's showing the challenges. I saw Rachel Nichols goofing last night on Twitter about the, you know, good luck to the team security guards questioning how long these guys have been friends with the girl that shows up at the hotel. She's yeah. I mean, I mean, when you put no, restrictions on, uh, is this a close personal friend or, you know, you know, it it was very easy in the bubble. For them to figure this out, right? If I say, hey, I'm going to have so-and-so come visit me in the bubble, then they could at least have some checks and balances because they are coming into your orbit, as it were. But, I mean, when you're on the road in some kind of, you know, some city and you want to meet up with somebody, like, it's a, it's a lot harder, like, like she said, good luck trying to police that because that that is the the contact with the outside world 
right? Like I don't, I don't think these guys are going out and about and they're going to bars and they're going out to restaurants and wherever else. But the idea that they're not seeing other people when they're on the road, that's, that's, that's ridiculous. Well, it's sort of like the the Bradley Beal, you know, close contact with Jason Tatum. Whether right. that was from after the game or whether they saw each other, those guys are friends. They've been yes. friends for years since Tatum was a little kid, since Beal was uh, uh, just entering the league. Um, those guys have known each other for years. It's so hard to police that. And, and ultimately for the league, I mean, like, what do you think? I mean, like, have you heard anything about the idea of pausing the season or, or, or you know, for a week or whatever? Because I, I could see it, you know, maybe happening, but I, I think the NBA is just going to do what the NFL did. They're going to do what MLB did, and they're just going to try to power through this. I think it has to be a lot more than what we have had so far. Like, I think it needs to get to crisis level for them to pause something. Yeah, Like, keep in mind, okay, so what, clearly the headlines are going to be the Celtics and the Bulls, uh, their game is postponed for tonight. Well, everybody else is playing. There was a ton of games that were on last night. Yep. Like there's a, a lot of good you, games too. Yeah, and until you <laughs> get to the games. until you get to the point where a lot of teams aren't able to play, that you have multiple postponements. But as long as you're postponing one game and playing the other seven, I don't think that they'll. Well, yeah. yeah, I think it would have to be like the crisis, like to where we got six games scheduled for Thursday night and three of them aren't going to be played or something. And I think, you know, it's also worth noting that a lot of the teams that can't reach eight guys, those are contact tracing, you know, absences, not positive tests. That's but right. I, I think that if there was like a significant, significant amount of positive tests, then it's a possibility that. In that case, there would be more cancellations or postponement overall for the league. They press pause on everything. Um, but as of now, it's just contact tracing for the most part. All right, Kevin, do you believe that the Nets are not going to be able to reach their best? Well, clearly, Durant has been out. He's the second leading scorer in the league. So it's not fair to judge them without Kevin Durant. And now Kyrie Irving has been out. And Kyrie Irving, who had been missing in action, you had some, you know, you had the Nets come out and support him, but nobody really knew what was going on. There was the report that um, it was because of what had taken place at the Capitol building last week. And then these videos surfaced um, of him out at a birthday party with a bunch of people, maskless, and this causes a whole nother, uh, a whole nother issue. Um, and so... Are you now to the point that the record stinks, right, through 11 games, given what their expectations were so far, but are you starting to question whether or not they will be able to reach their, whatever their peak is for this team this season? I mean, for as long as Kyrie is out, I mean, the more and more I question what they can become. And with Kyrie, mentioned that video a little bit earlier. Apparently, he he was at his sister's 30th birthday party. Um, and the video came out, uh, leaked out late last night, late Monday night. And just this Tuesday morning, Woj did report with Malika Andrews that the as the NBA is expected to begin ex examining online videos circulating of a maskless Kyrie Irving at a family birthday party, there's no belief that he will return to the Brooklyn Nets lineup this week. So it's another week of Kyrie being out, your second best player behind Kevin Durant. These games are all important for building chemistry, for building camaraderie. You're also for, only you know, playing you know, 72 of them. They're only playing 72 and that impacts seating. 
And that impacts your positioning for how you might end up in the tournament, like in the playoffs, if you're the sixth seed or whether you have to play as the seventh seed and try to win a game to get into the playoffs. Uh, So all these games still matter, especially because there's only 72, as you said, Chris. And you know what, man? Yeah, I'm questioning it. I picked the Nets to go to the finals and lose to the Lakers, but go to the finals. That was my expectation for them, my prediction for them. And I'm questioning that. I am. Well, and people, you know, there's always an element of people that say, "Ah, everybody always picks on Kyrie all the time. Like a lot of this stuff, look, like something like in this case, he brings it on himself. Um, Because the truth is this, Kev, that is a breach of trust within that locker room. It just is. You know, you can't, you can't just be doing your own thing. You can't. I'm sorry. Right. And especially when you haven't been playing, nobody really knows why you haven't been playing. You haven't explained why you haven't been playing. And then they see you're right. You're you're out and about and I get it. Right. But it's about priorities. What is your priority at this time? And obviously his sister's birthday has priority. He's not going to miss his sister's birthday party, I guess. Right. Like, but he can miss practices. He can miss shoot around. He can miss games. He can miss whatever that has to do with the basketball team, which is his job and which these other guys count on him. And and they are taking losses because he is not available. And then for a video to surface of him showing up someplace um, in an irresponsible manner, right? That would, that would put him out, right? Like where they're not going to let him play. Because of the situation. And um, also, by the way, like it, 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 let's say that video never was released and let's say nobody knew about it. That does put your teammates at risk, too. You know, sure. it, it does. There's a there's a more highly contagious strain of COVID-19 out there right now in the world circulating amongst the world. And that's another variable that, you know, makes things more challenging for the NBA. If that if that strain got in, it just puts your teammates and coaches and everybody at risk. For the people that do the, the you know, the, like the, the 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 resent that Kyrie, that people pick on him, right? Bro, look around the league. Why is he the one? Why is he the story? Why why are we talking about it? Like, do you do you think that this is a big problem all around the league, or are we seeing a specific instance where he is putting himself into a situation? We're not seeing that happen. There's there's 450 guys in the league. Why is there a story about him out and about breaking all the protocols? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, who is picking on this guy? He's putting himself in that position in order to, like, like we care about these sports teams and we care about uh, the competition of it all. And again, it only matters, honestly, what his locker room thinks and what his ownership and his coach thinks. But the truth is, if I were on that team and I were in that locker room, I would, I would be pissed. I would be pissed. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like, like, like I said, nobody the choice, wants the choices, to do it. Nobody wants to do this stuff. The choices an individual makes can impact others, and I, I would not appreciate that if I were in that locker room once he came back. And obviously, you do everything you can to try to you know smooth things over and move on and win games and you know build together and try to accomplish something special. But at the same time, you you would only naturally feel like one of the players who happens to be one of the best players is not really all the way in 
in the way that other guys in that locker room are. And like you said, and like you said, Chris, nobody wants to do this. I'm sick and tired of this. And I Kevin, can't wait we to do get all this. this. <laughs> we, 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 we do our show on, on zoom, right? But like, I do a show every day where I am around two other guys. If I saw one of those guys, or actually, and there's three people really involved, okay? But if I saw any of them, if a video came out and they were at a birthday party and nobody had masks on and they were, you know, dancing around or whatever, I would ream them. Yeah. The next day, like, yeah. what are you doing? Yeah. Why? Because that, because that puts you at risk. That's put puts your family at risk. Yes. That puts everybody you love and care about at risk. If like you happen to, if it just so happens that this is the unlucky instance in which that one of you caught it, pass it along, yes. and then someone happened to be somebody that gets serious side effects. Like I just read, I just read like one of my friends shared an Instagram post from somebody this morning, one of their friends, and like their dad's like all in the hospital, you know, on a ventilator and all that. It's like you know, somebody lost their dad less than a year ago. You never know if it's going to be you. Never you. Know. Nobody's exempt from anything. Nobody is. It just, it really pisses me off. Kevin, I live a hundred yards from my parents and I don't, I, I mean, I can't, maybe like uh, a Cowboys game a few weeks ago where me and my son sit on one side of the room and my dad sits on the other. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it sucks. Yeah. It sucks. You yeah. know what I mean? But it other blows, than that, man. I just, I haven't seen, I haven't been around them and they live right down the street from me. It's crazy. And so imagine if I'm in a locker room, like I don't want to be doing all this stuff. I'm, I'm, I'm getting tested every day. I'm doing all these protocols and I'm trying to win basketball games. Like you can't, you, you're, you're so upset about everything that's gone on culturally that you can't play, play with us. And yet you're fine to go do whatever you really want to do. Yeah, I mean, obviously, like, it's different because this is the regular season versus the playoffs. But then Caruso miss his sister's wedding. You know, yes. like you have you like and like that's a story that we know. There's so many stories of players that we don't know of what they're sacrificing, whether either they're missing a kid's birthday party, siblings' birthday party, parents, whatever it might be, anniversaries. There's a lot of people sacrificing, and uh, you know, I, I'm with you that I would be pissed off if somebody in on my team. Yes. We're doing something like that. I would be infuriated about it. And like, like I said, I, I just think it's impossible no, no, no. to build a culture like that. It is impossible it, to be a all for one, one for all. It, yep. You just can't. I'm with you. You can't be all for one, one for all when one guy does whatever the hell he wants. And, and, and that's why, you know, when it comes from a basketball standpoint, it's like, yes, this team on paper is still super talented. But the fact is, is the longer this goes on and the more time he misses, the, the, the harder it is to build that chemistry. Although the it factor stuff that you're talking about on court, in the locker room, on bus rides, plane rides, you can't build. You can't build with this happening. And dude, like, <laughs> I'll tell you what, like uh, all the people that said, like, you can't trust this Nets team because of Kyrie. They weren't wrong. Well, they and I'll wrong. tell you this. I saw them. I saw them in person since we last spoke and I saw Levert. He dropped 43 in the game I was at. And I walked out of the arena going, how is that your third best player? Like, how? This guy was, I mean, right? Like, he's, he's obviously got to do that while these guys are out. But my God, he is so talented. And it was, you saw a glimpse of what he showed us in the bubble. Um, you know, and he's got that in the arsenal. So if they ever could put it all together, I just think it's going to be very difficult to put it all together because, like I said, the great teams have everybody pulling the same rope. And they're clearly not. Oh, yeah. They're clearly not pulling the same rope, right? Tough job Tough job for Steve Nash. Oh, yes. boy. And KD, yes. too, being the best player on that team, having a lead. You know, Kyrie's your friend. Yes. 
it's, it's tough. All right, Kevin, do you believe that the Raptors <laughs> that the Raptors can get it together? They have been they have oh. been the shockingly bad record team so far this year. There's always somebody that starts off a lot worse than anybody predicted, and the Raptors fit that bill right now. They have extenuating circumstances. Obviously, they lost some pieces in the uh, in the offseason. They're not living at their houses, going to their practice facility, playing at their home arena like they it's usually tough. were. It is. It, it, they've yeah. got a tough set of circumstances to deal with, but they still have Talk to play about basketball. Sacrifice, right? yeah. yeah. They still have to play basketball games, and they're not playing them very well. Good tweet um, from, I guess, good or a bad tweet, depending on your perspective, from Josh Lewenberg from TSN Sports last night. He said the Raptors are two and eight, tied with Detroit for the worst record in the NBA. They've blown double digit leads in six of their eight losses. They've blown double digit leads in six of their eight losses after doing so in just four of their losses all of last season. And so so they're 0 and 5 in games that have been within five points in the final five minutes. They. I look at that as a positive, though. I, I'm with you. I'm with you. And I think the last week we did see some positives. Boucher's been really good. Pascal Siakam, after a horrific start to the year, after a tough bubble for him, he's been much better. I cannot take the spin move memes anymore, though. <laughs> Holy mackerel, yeah, are they the, funny. The one at the end of the game against the Warriors with Andrew Wiggins playing defense against him. Um, obviously, like, you know, Great defensive possession, as was outlined uh, by multiple people, by Draymond Green to snuff out the play beforehand. A nice play by Wiggins to keep in front. But Siakam going to the spin move, very unnecessary. <laughs> to, <laughs> I to mean, not generate any additional space is just kind of funny to watch. And But the fact kinda, that he does it anywhere. <laughs> yeah, I know. Right? He does it anywhere. It doesn't matter where he is on the court. He's spinning. He loves the, he loves to spam that spin button. It's so good. But I don't know. Like Siakam's still been better over the last week. They seem to be trending upward. Okay. But uh, they're not the same team that I expected entering the year even still. And I think a lot of that comes down to what we talked about recently, losing Serge Ibaka and Marcus Gasol mm-hmm. and replacing those two guys with Aaron Baines, who's just not the same level of player that that's t- been more of an impact uh, than I anticipated. Okay. So we do think they will get it together, but not be as good as we thought they were going to be. Yeah. Is that fair? Yeah. 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 That's fair. They're not going to be under 500. I don't think so. I don't think so either. Not in the Eastern Conference. Do you believe that LaMelo Ball is going to run away with the Rookie of the Year? I will tell you this, Kev. It is playing out, like I said, prior to the season, that you will see highlights more from him than anyone else in the league. Like Like, like I said, that plays a factor in who will win. It does. The only other guy I think that's a rookie that I have found myself feeling like I am constantly aware of their successes is Halliburton. Halliburton, yep, yep, yep. And There's those nobody two, else. Th- those two, and this is something I plan on talking about on Wednesday on Ringer NBA University with Charks and Kyle, is Rookie of the Year race, just to set like a baseline for yeah. it. And, and I'll ask the same question to you, Chris. I'm with you, LaMelo and Halliburton, one and two. Maybe Halliburton gets the edge right now, especially because of what he's been on defense. But LaMelo, his minute should only rise over the course of the year. And therefore, so should his numbers. Whereas Halliburton, I'm not so sure we're going to see big-time numbers. LaMelo is already averaging a lot of assists and a lot of rebounds uh, on top of scoring. Um, who's third? And that is there is there like another player? Wiseman. 
Is it Wiseman or is it a guy like an Okoro? Is Okoro belong in there too? For his I, really good defense, Cleveland is the number one defensive rating in the NBA. Okoro is one of the reasons why. Averaging 36 minutes a game. Yep. Most rookies aren't getting over 26, 27 minutes. Okoro is averaging 36. Yeah. That's that's going to be tough as the season goes on too, right? Because you're not used to playing as many games and certainly yeah. that load. Um and he's starting become- to getting some tough defensive matchups. I mean, I mean, Okoro is not putting up offensive numbers, seven points, two rebounds, two assists. <laughs> it's not big time numbers, but the no. defense has been outstanding. And that's the, that's the you, problem is the numbers. You play, yes. a, you play a numbers game, especially when you are getting into an art, when, when you're getting, when you're getting into an argument on this stuff, you, you end up going to the numbers. Nobody, it, nobody wins rookie of the year because they're a good defender. Which is why Halliburton <laughs> will be hurt and why LaMelo Ball is the favorite and probably going to win it because he has the the highlights. He has the numbers. And by the way, he's already pretty good. By the right? I, You know, I've watched I, I've watched more Hornets this year because <laughs> because of him than I have in. I can't tell you how many years. Like you maybe see that I, full court touchdown pass he made to Hayward the other day last night, I think. OK, two things from watching them. OK, number one. They really share the ball with each other and play like a team that yeah. hasn't just been thrown together. It's very impressive, mm-hmm. right? They've got a, they've added guys that like to pass and it infects the team, you know? Um, but two things. Number one, Hayward has been awesome. Like, absolutely awesome. Looks a lot for like them. the old Gordon Hayward, he does. doesn't he? Mm. Yes. Second thing, what in the hell happened to Devontae Graham? What happened? He is shooting 20% from the field, Kevin. I mean, this with, I, I mean this with all due respect to Devontae Graham and to anybody who loved him last season. He shot 38% from the I field know. last year. It's not like he, sh- he shot, you know, like, like a, a 60 true shooting percentage. He shot 38% on the field. 29% is not that far off. <laughs> oh, it's up to 29 now? Yeah, it's up to 29 Okay, it was not 20. Not far off. <laughs> <laughs> so we're, we're doing 34% as a rookie, 38% as a sophomore, 29% percent so far it's not too far off <laughs> this is why with him i'm like you're not having Devonte graham stop you from drafting a guard <laughs> well let me just tell you something that is big Devonte graham who was getting some love for most improved player i remember that being a thing when he didn't get a vote and whatever else like great example of a somebody has to score it's a losing team and so Cool. Oh, yeah. You've got a lot of big numbers, guy, right? And he did. He put up a lot of big numbers, set a lot of three-point records and whatever else. But, like, they lost a lot of games, right? And yeah. so, I don't know. He just, he, he you watch him and he, he looks like a guy that is really searching. To me, his best role is as a spark plug off the bench. Yeah. At some point, you flip LaMelo, put him in the starting lineup. He becomes the guy who's get, getting over 30 minutes per game. You put slide Devontae Graham into a spark plug role off the bench, 20, 25 minutes per game, and let him go to work. He's a, His best skill is his passing. It's not his scoring. It's his passing. And you know, let him be a three-point shooter. Let him be a playmaker. Let him grind on defense. And that's what he can be and be a successful player. Like we, we're joking about his field goal percentage, but that he's not playing the role that he is a is his ideal role. 
And so I look forward to things falling into the proper place there with Charlotte because they've been fun. They've been a fun team to watch. Hey, LaMelo could really rebound too. Did you see him after the game saying they were asking him about his knack for the ball and rebounding? And he said it's because he played a lot of 21 when he was growing up. No, I didn't see that. Yeah. That's funny. So there you'd encourage every kid out there, go play 21 in your backyard with your buddies because what you do learn, you, you be, yeah, like look at when you're when you're fending for yourself playing 21, you start to learn the angles of which the ball comes off the rim a lot more. And I, I mean, now kids are being shuffled around. They're playing for teams that aren't even in their city and whatever else. I don't want to sound like the old guy here, but like, there's not as much of people just going outside and playing, right? And I, I found it interesting that Lamelo referenced like that is something that's something you just play with your buddies, right? When you're playing 21. For sure. Yep. And <laughs> it's true, man. Like he's just got a feel. He has a feel for the game and that manifests in more ways than just as a passer. He's good. I'm loving watching the mellow. It's been a good time. All right, Kevin. Do you believe speaking of guys that are putting up huge numbers on bad teams? Do you believe that Jeremy Grant is proving he is way more than just a role player? <laughs> Uh, yeah, uh, sure seems that way. <laughs> like, hey, I'm shocked. When, when we're talking about like percentages, right? Like we talk about Devontae Graham had a lot of big numbers last year, but those, you know, those percentages sucked, right? So, I mean, it's high volume stuff. Jeremy Grant, there's no like poking holes in the, in the numbers. Like the number, he's averaging 25 a game and like is mega efficient. Like he, he bet on himself. He went to, from a winning situation to a losing situation because he thought he was more than, than what he was able to show uh, in Denver. And I'll be damned. Like, I don't know. Again, somebody's got to score. You're losing a million games. I don't know if he's a 20, you know, he's not a 25 point per game scorer on a good team, but seems pretty clear that Jeremy Grant's better than everybody gave him credit for being. Last season with Denver, Jeremy Grant had 26 possessions as a pick-and-roll ball handler. This season, he already has 27. Wow. Already has more pick-and-roll possessions wow. than he did last year. Last season, he had 31 possessions as an ISO scorer. This season, he already has 25. Almost already on the way there to eclipsing that. Jeremy Grant's whole game has changed. He's still doing a lot of the cutting, you know, rolling and spotting up, attacking closeouts, the stuff you saw him do in Denver. But it's been really, really interesting to see him get those on-ball reps. And he hasn't been, you know, amazing, you know, as a pick-and-roll right. ball handler. But he's been passable. And it, it's pretty wild to see. But, but how I, many guys are out there that, like, are role players? Their destiny is to be a role player. But they think they should be more than just a role guy on a team, right? There are stars and there are role players, in the league. There are the guys that are going to take the majority of the shots. And then there's the guys that got to like fit in. Right. And he's now really, he's really like putting this into question as to, right. He's clearly better than just a role player that takes six or 10 shots a game. But is he like 25 point per game guy on a team that can win? Probably not. Probably not. And, and I mean, he's on the worst team in the league doing this. It right. speaks to what you were just talking about with Devontae Graham and somebody has to score. But ultimately, what it does show and that he is capable of more than what he was asked to do in Denver. And for him, 
well, I'd rather for Denver. Do you think that they would have done everything differently if they knew they could get more out of Jeremy Grant? Do you think they would have pitched a different role to him? Like, hey, you're not going to get 8.9 shots per game. You're going to get 14 or 15. That might change. Could have paid the money, though, Kev. No way. I mean, they could they could have matched. I mean, I believe they did make a comparable offer to what Detroit did. It's just no. a matter of the fact that he wanted the bigger role. Yeah, the, but you're going to have to free stuff up if you do. If you sign that deal, it's going to... Well, that's what I mean. Like maybe they, they, maybe no, if right. that's the case, maybe in that case, you move Michael Porter Jr. Because Jeremy Grant's not like he's old. He's only 26 years old. So no, maybe that was, and you're and you're right. It, like they they were willing to pay money. They were they. What's not like they they threw a a chicken change offer at him, right? They they were going to pay. He he wanted the bigger role. He made that decision. I mean, it, it's been reported like they offered yeah. the same amount of money, so That's it right. was about the role and maybe about you know city and situation but and all that too. All but. I'm saying is we know that if you do sign him to that deal. Now you're going to have to cost cut other places. Yes. Because you're not going to be a consistent but do you think, luxury do you think they would? Ha- let's say they get Jeremy Grant back, and let's say they knew that he could give more, and they knew that he could offer more to your team. I think they would have done that. They would have probably traded Michael Porter Jr. to open up more on-ball minutes for Jeremy Grant. I think you would have seen those changes if they knew they could get this out of him. Because Denver, one of the reasons why I wasn't high on them this season was because of the version of Jeremy Grant they lost from last year. <laughs> you know, losing that guy last year, never mind the fact that he could give more, uh, that, that's going to that's gonna end up hurting more and more the longer this continues with Detroit. Even though they suck, if Jeremy Grant keeps this up, it's going to hurt Denver fans even more. Well, and if, you are, if you're Denver, I think you came to terms with the fact that you didn't think this was... You, didn't I mean, you, you, you better come to terms with it. You got to... No, no, no. I'm saying they didn't think that this was... They didn't think... I, do you think people in Denver thought Jeremy Grant's going to go to, you know, Detroit... And average these kind of numbers. I mean, it's not. It's not like he could average this in in Denver. I don't. I don't. They saw twenty five points per game. It's kind of like d- Sam Presti. Once upon a time, he didn't think James Harden was going to be like the best scorer in the last <laughs> decade. Of course, you know no what I'm saying. Like, yeah. I mean, he but, didn't but it, see that. He it, didn't see that coming. It's the type of thing where when you have Nikola Jokic and Jamal Murray on your team, there's only so many on ball opportunities. Jeremy Jeremy Grant could conceivably get. In Denver. So he better on himself and good for him, man. Good for him. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Kevin, do you believe that Zion is not going to have the ascent to superstardom that we thought this year? Speaking of highlights, by the way, Kev, have you seen one Zion highlight this year? I'm not kidding. I mean, not as not quite as many. When I scroll my timeline, not so much, no. It's bizarre. Yeah, it's very weird. I have not seen (laughs) one Zion highlight this year. I'm not kidding. Remember when us, the media, was shoving Zion highlights down everybody's throats? Now I don't see any anywhere. It's crazy. anywhere. Is it's he not pretty in, wild? Is he not? Does he not have any highlights? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I've been watching Zion highlights since he was fifteen. I know, and it's like, where are the highlight? But like, where is the block into the empty stands? Where is the? I just tomahawked one on a guy's head. Like, uh, unfortunately, he only has four blocks in in nine <laughs> games. So. <laughs> 
Not, so not that's one of those. <laughs> all right, so there's that explanation. <laughs> he does have 17 dunks on the year, but uh, I guess none of them, you know, worthy of going viral. I mean, he's averaging point. like 22 a game. Ingram's the leading scorer on that team. Um, what do you think? Is this not going to be? I mean, we're 10 games in. Are we going to look up and he has a month where he averages 30 and 10 and this is going to sound stupid? Or do you think that there's a possibility it doesn't play out this year where he takes that Luka leap to... And in fairness, he's only played like 40 games in his career. You know, like it's not... he. This is really the extent of a rookie season. Um more so than his second year. Yeah, I mean, so I'm not reading too much into it in that sense. Like you said, it's an extension of his rookie year, but it, it does seem like that he's not going to take that leap um, to becoming like a 28, 29, 30 point per game score, but it also could be a slow start. Um, I thought me, he would be to, dominating people. To me, yeah, I mean, I, I think part of that is due to the lack of spacing and shooting around him and Ingram on this team, and that that's reflected in Ingram's numbers. He's not getting to the rim at the same frequency that he has in recent years. Only 11% of Ingram's shots have come within three feet of the rim. That's down from 25% last year, down from 34% the year before. He's just not getting to the basket because the lack of spacing, partially due to Zion and partially due to Steven Adams. And that's hurting the overall team with no shooting there. And that hurts Zion and doesn't allow him to flourish in the ways that he potentially could. Even J.J. Redick, he's not shooting the ball lights out like he normally does. They, they need their guys to start shooting the ball better. And for Zion, like we're talking about his offense, but to me, like you, it's hard to be a superstar with all offense. It's really hard. Like James Harden was a top 10 level player, even in the years they didn't play any defense because his offense was so otherworldly. Zion needs to be more. He still needs to be a way better defensive player. He cannot have the lapses that he does so often on that end of the floor. It's so weird because he was so good on defensive on defense at Duke. Well, I think his athleticism in many ways uh, might have overshadowed some of the feel issues, reading the floor issues that he has now and the focus issues that we see manifesting with him. He's got to be better on that end, Chris. I think it's way effort. Better. I think it's effort. I really do. I watch I mean, him. Whatever it, it is, effort or conditioning or focus, like no matter what it is, it's it's got to get fixed. You see a lot of times where he'll just, you know, he, guys could, go by. Yeah. he could contest it. Like, I don't know if it's how he doesn't want to get in foul trouble, right? Like, that's a thing with guys, right? They don't want to sit down because they got two fouls early or whatever it may be. But I just feel like, yeah, I don't see that that intensity that you saw. And and maybe it'll be different, you know. It, it is a little different when you're playing in front of the camera crazies, right? Like, it's, it's hard oh, yeah. not that you got guys slapping the floor and shit there, right? Like, and yeah. everybody's... Everybody's like kind of, you know, hustling around and everything. Whereas it's, it is different in the NBA. It is. To, to your point there with Zion, with it being effort, effort has never been an issue for him. He's right. always given it as all, and he still does on the offensive boards. Watch the way he attacks the offensive no, boards. No, it's only defense. It's only defense. And it's that's not why, like there's not a pride in the defense like there is. Well, it, it, there was at Duke, though. Yeah, and, and that's why when I watch uh, and all the injuries he's had, part of me's wondering, is this intentional? Mm. Is he intentionally not putting in as much saving effort himself. and saving himself because he knows the team knows 
that those legs, they can only take so much of a beating over the course of a long regular season. Could it be that he's just saving himself on that end of the floor, giving it all offensively, and then come playoff time and or in big games, that's where the intensity gets ratcheted up on defense. I don't know that for a fact. I'm just throwing the thought out there because it's so weird to see what he was to what he is right now. And if that's effort, if that's a choice and not conditioning or, you know, tired or whatever, I I wonder if part of this is intentional. And I'm very fascinated regarding them. I'm very fascinated with what you say about Ingram and those shots at the rim, you know, because they are the, the big, you know, punish you team. And this is where if they could get to the playoffs, they can be a problem for the, the smaller teams because they'll just get every friggin' rebound. You know, when, when a team misses, they get it. When you miss, you get it. Um, I, you know, that you could throw, you take two awesome players and you, you throw them together. And then you say, sometimes they can reach their apex simultaneously. And sometimes they can't like we see LeBron play with Anthony Davis. Um, we see, we, we've seen a lot of amazing duos uh, throughout our time, obviously Wade and LeBron, and you could go on and on and on and on and on. I, I really have a hard time thinking that you get, you can get the best version of Ingram and the best version of Zion simultaneously. I just don't think it's a good fit. I think you can. I think you can. And and I think a lot of it comes down to the other guys on that team. The lack of shooting around them, the lack of reliable shooting. I mean, you have Eric Bledsoe on that team. You know, you you have Steven Adams. You know, Bledsoe is a perimeter player who doesn't shoot well. Steven Adams is an interior player who isn't one of the guys who has extended his range to three. He's still an interior player. There's a lack of spacing, a lack of shooting ability on that entire roster and Ingram and Zion both happen to be guys that flourish best when there's space. And so it's a, it's a fundamental issue with this team where their defense is much better. But I think of it, there's, there's never going to be space. Zion is never going to be standing out at the three-point line, and there's just going to be all kinds of space for Brandon Ingram. That's why I'm saying. Like, yeah, that's but never- Z- Z- Zion doesn't necessarily have to be. I mean, like Zion draws defenders because of the like how devastating he can be when he's rolling towards the rim like the actions they they use with him off screens and handoffs to get him you know kind of you know slingshot him at the rim sometimes that can create spacing in and of itself i I, i'm not sure if it's like an ideal fit because zion needs to improve his shooting him he just needs to for to make it an ideal fit but i think it's a very good fit overall and those guys can complement each other from a personality standpoint too two unselfish players who both are willing passers. And this year, you know, Ingram's defense has been much better. He's putting in more effort on that in the floor. Zion can, they can both be versatile when it comes down to it. If they're both actually trying as hard as they can, I think it can work at a high level there. It's just about finding the right other pieces on that team. I think they could both average 30 points a game in the league, but they'll never do it together. That's what I'd say. I think they could both be the, your best guy. You know what I mean? Sometimes I don't know. Uh, I don't I don't love the fit at all. Uh, do you believe that Bradley Beal could be moved? You wrote an article about this this week. Uh, this was a huge topic. I feel like we spent a year, year and a half on where's Brad Beal going to go? Where's Brad Beal going to go? And then they moved off of John Wall. They made the financial commitment to Bradley Beal and Tommy Shepard, you know, kind of convinced everybody, okay, that's that. 
Bradley Beal is going to be a Washington wizard and Bradley Beal, you know, said he's going to be a Washington wizard. Um, You called that into question maybe a little bit in an article this week. Do you believe that, like, give me a percentage chance Bradley Beal's not a wizard at the end of the year? Because I would think that percentage is very, very, very low. 35, 40%, something like that. Wouldn't they get rid of Scott Brooks first before they? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. 100%. Oh yeah, hundred percent. Scott Brooks would be, you know, replaced before you trade Bradley Beal. No doubt about right. that. And and with Beal, the basically the story was just about how you know everybody's focusing on James Harden as the top trade target out there. It's been raised to me by a number of executives. Well, actually, <laughs> what if it's Bradley Beal? Uh, and it's not that he is available now. You know, he has not demanded a trade. The Wizards have not made him available, as Tommy Shepard said. They are not trading him at this point. But if the Wizards keep losing right now, they're three and eight. They had a big win on Monday night without Russell Westbrook playing. Right now, they're a better team without Russell Westbrook. I feel like even though you love Russ, we can agree he's really struggling right now. Oh he's yeah, after the, he's after the worst start of his entire career. Um, and with Beal, he has carried that team. And with Beal, at some point, there will come a time where you were going to see teams going after Beal. You are going to see more teams go after Beal than there will be teams that go after Harden. It's not because Beal's better than Harden. He is not better than James Harden. It's just Beal is younger. He is an easier player to fit into your roster. And I asked, you know, a number of executives over the course of the weekend for that story. Like, who is an under-the-radar team that you could see going after a star that nobody's really talking about? And six of the 14 people answered with the Pelicans the team we were just talking about with all their assets, all the pieces that they have, tradable contracts, first-round draft picks, whatever, that they make sense as a team for Beal. He would give them the shooting that they need. He would need the, give them the shot creation that they need. He's a perfect fit next to Ingram and Zion, and he fits the timeline, too. There's risk there. <laughs> what are you talking about? What do you mean, what am I talking about? perfect fit next to Ingram and Zion. If I'm giving up Brad Beal, I better get one of them. Well, you wouldn't be getting one of them. What the hell am I getting then? Well, well, you, Bradley Beal's contract is up in 2022. No, you're talking about moving him from the Wizards now. You're talking, no, about, I mean, we're ta- we're talking not, about him leaving gonna, in two years? It, it's not going to happen right now. I'm saying like deadline or offseason. That, that's when something like that could potentially happen. Will it happen? I don't know. It depends on will it happen or not. It depends on how the Wizards develop over the course of the year. At three and eight, they have a better roster. They have a better team on paper than how they've performed. This team could get better. Russell Westbrook could come back in a week from this quad injury he has and be more like himself. The Thomas Bryant thing hurts. Thomas Bryant stinks on defense, and Robin Lopez could actually be an upgrade there on the defensive end of the floor, even though he himself also has not been good for the Wizards so far this season. So, like, this team can be better. Bertans has not hit a lot of threes. He finally had a good game last night. A lot of guys are underperforming there. But I'm, when, I, when I'm talking trade, it's about down the line if things continue to, to go yeah, south know, for them. Who who in this in this fantasy world, who are these people telling you when they're bringing up the Pelicans for what are they saying they're giving for, up? They have like more first round draft picks than anybody but OKC. You ain't just giving up first round draft picks for Brad Beal. I mean, you, you better you, get you, a you, star you might, back. I mean, I'm not sure what, what, what you're expecting there. I'm not sure what you're expecting. I would want as much for Brad Beal as I'd want for James Harden. 
I mean, like I said, I'm. we'll see if you were to get that. I'm not sure. And like I said, this plays into it. Like I said, with Washington, you have a 27-year-old player who's one of the 15 best players in the world. And he's somebody that you got to do everything you can to hold on to, especially considering he gets better year in, year out. That's why I'd put the percentages low, like at 35%, like at most. That's probably even maybe a little bit too high. So the, the Pelicans fa- Pelicans could call him and they could say, hey, we'll give you Jackson Hayes and a bunch of shitty first-rounders. Come on. I mean, they're not all shitty first-rounders, but... Um, you better give me Brandon Ingram back. You're not getting him. That wouldn't happen. Well, then you ain't getting Brad Beal. Okay, that, that, that's mean, it. See you later. End of combo. Good, 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 good luck. Good end luck. of combo, David Griffith. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Call somebody else. Not For a doofus. Sure. No, yeah. uh, <laughs> <laughs> All right, uh, Kevin, do you believe that Cade Cunningham from Oklahoma State is the guy and there will be no huge argument about who should go number one in the you're NBA gonna, You're going to see Evan Mobley. Center from USC in that conversation. So no, I don't believe Cade will be the like the, the clear number one. There will be people who have Mobley number one. And will there, there be some will there be some Jalen Green lovers? Yeah, I could see that depending on how his season in the G League goes. I was talking but to somebody I, I the think, other day. I think day. it's more like Mobley and Cunningham. So I was talking to somebody from the G League the other day, and the, you know, they're going to Orlando and they're gonna have this five, six week deal where they're playing it out. And I said, I mean Everybody in that G League has to, you know, thank God every night that they had this team McKnight join that thing because you can't just let those kids not have a place to play. After you told them it's a better option to come here than to go to college, I'm not so sure that the NBA G League even does anything if Team McKnight with Jalen Green and some of the other recruits that bypassed college to go there I'm not sure that the G League even puts together this season, this bubble, anything, if it's not for that. But you can't let that idea flop. And so now it's going to create pretty interesting scenario where these kids are going to get to play in that Orlando bubble in this truncated uh, G League season. And we'll kind of see what they're made of. But uh, I think there's a lot of people in the G League that are thanking their lucky stars that that team ignite with the young kids does exist because that put a lot of pressure on them to have something. They got to have something. Yeah, for sure. It's a draw. Yeah. Uh, and I look forward to seeing like if it impacts, you know, their stream ratings or whatever, like ignite game versus every other game. Cause it is probably interesting. Put, the, be probably fun to put watch. these on NBA TV or something during the day. Wouldn't you? Yeah. I would I think that I would do that for sure. I'd I mean, they're in. in a bubble. Why not just have games going on all day? Yeah. Right? I'd love that. Yeah. What do you think? It, it, obviously, we haven't seen Jalen Green. It's so hard to evaluate. Obviously, who's amazing in high school. Amazing. Um, Kata Cunningham looks awesome, too. He does. Yeah, he looks great. Both right? of them. Mobley, Mobley, his defensive versatility. Fun to watch. Fun to watch him him defend on the perimeter. He, he's, like I said, you're going to have people who have Mobley ranked number one around the league. I think it's very possible that the public consensus could be Cade number one. I have Cade number one on my board right now, very early on. I don't really take my ra- my rankings too seriously early on in the process, like to develop that later on. But right now I have Cade number one, and but we'll see with Mobley. There's a chance. There's a chance. I will say this. Uh, I have seen more highlights. You know, we were talking about the Zion thing. 
Boy, I've seen a lot of highlights of that Imani Bates. And you know I've been talking about him for two years. Kevin, like, he is the next thing. I don't know how anybody... It, you know, when people say, like, oh, he's like Kevin Durant, like, watch these friggin' highlights. Like, I saw some this weekend, and I'm like, my God, it really is... Kevin Durant. It really looks exactly like Kevin Durant. It is freaky how awesome he is. And this isn't like when people said, oh, Ingram is like Katie. No. That was was not a good comparison. I hated hated that comparison. Yes. This this guy is is Kevin Durant. Except, you know, you know, Bates is like KD in playing style, but he's like KG, Kevin yes. Garnett, in terms of mentality on the court and like how much he screams and his, his aggression and his trash talk. So it's it's really cool to see this blend. I mean, he's kind of a throwback with that type of mentality on the court with a modern style. I mean, this dude. There's always hmm. the oh, next big good. thing that everybody talks about, but he's the one. He really is. He is the one. Yeah. And for anybody, you can go look up this kid, Imani Bates, and he I mean, is, he, he's like one of the guys who could be the like one of the best players in the league, if not yes. the best player in the league. He's he's yes. that next no-brainer star prospect. Even Cade Cunningham, like I don't look at him as that level. I think Cade is gonna be a very, very good player, possibly even a top 10 player, but not the best in the NBA or one of the best of a generation, Bates could be one of the best of an entire generation. This guy is a generational talent. Yes, that's that's the difference between this year's draft and what Bates will be in a couple of years. I mean, dude is just unbelievable. Unbelievable. Yeah. Uh, All right, Kevin, a few more before we get out of here. Do you believe that 1% of NBA fans could name the Thunder coach? No, I do not. One percent. One percent. I said one. I said one percent. You think it is lower than one percent? Yeah, I do. (laughs) How many? All right. So you would say ninety-nine point nine percent of people are listening to this podcast and googling who is the Thunder? I I never said people who listen to this pod because the people who listen to NBA podcast and odds are they fall into a bucket of NBA fans who are more hardcore who could name like more than 1% could name Mark Dagnall's name, but, but all NBA fans includes everybody worldwide who's when, like a casual fan. All right. We're going to see, we're going to see if, how honest you are. When I sent this, when I sent this, <laughs> Did you look it up? No, I did not. I looked up the spelling. I was like, I want to make sure I'm pronouncing it correctly. Mark Dagnall. I don't believe you. But I, I, I didn't know the name. I didn't know the name. Do you know the Pacers head coach name? No. <laughs> Nate Bjorkren. I can't. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Bjorkren. That's right. Yeah. He was, no, that's a Toronto guy, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I could not. I could not spell that either. <laughs> yeah. I mean, Bjork. these guys. These guys got tough names Bjork to spell. Grin. Yeah, they huh? are tough. Dagnalt. I think D A I G N A U L T. I think that's right. letter. I think that's right. Yeah, I mean, it's look. I mean, these guys have these guys have been 
long yeah, time. Been in the league's not a lot. Yeah, they've been in the league a while, but not long time assistants. But people don't yes. know who. He is. Oh, look! Wait, I did. I, I did misspell the last name. It's D A I G N E A U L T. I don't know how you I spelled it, but it wasn't you that. Get <laughs> and people, like, no, look, there's, there's gonna, there's gonna be, you know, there's always the people out there like, how do you get to cover? Uh, how do you get paid to cover basketball? And you don't even know who the coach of the blah 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 is, right? Like. Look, people don't sit around. They're like, I, 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 when I'll never forget this. When the, the Grizzlies, uh, uh, a year ago hired Taylor Jenkins. And so it just comes out. They have hired Taylor Jenkins. I was like, who is, that? who is that? And I guarantee you people around the league don't know who that is. You know what I mean? Like maybe now, cause they watch a lot of John Morant or something. Maybe, maybe, I don't know. But like, you say less than 1% would be able to tell you who the Thunder Worldwide, coach is. yes. Worldwide, yes. In fairness, it's 10 games in to their first seasons as head coaches on both counts, both with the Thunder and, as you mentioned, the Pacers. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's early on. Yes. Gonna learn the names. Takes That's time. Right. No, I know. I, I mean, for, well, for 10 years, if you would have said the Pacers coach, people could just say Nate McMillan. It's like on The Bachelor. <laughs> you can't expect Matt James to remember all, all 30 names of the girls <laughs> his first night in the house. It takes time to remember names. <laughs> Last one before we get out of here. Kevin, do you believe that Jimi Hendrix, Eddie Van Halen, and Jimmy Page are the three greatest guitarists of all time? <laughs> You are things. Kevin O'Shredder. I, I hate these things. I hate top guitarist lists. There's always a more talented guitarist. There's always, like, every, every guitarist is different, all different flavors. It's not a competition. But no, I, I, I don't think they're the best, three best ever, but they're three of the best ever. I'm not sure who the three best ever are. One Kevin, of those guys is Kevin O'Fence Rider. No, it's the truth. Yeah, I, I you don't, don't, I don't you're know. scared to say. I don't know. I mean, like, you could throw, like, you know, John McLaughlin. There's a lot of great guitarists, you know, who are so technically, you know, brilliant. There's, like, you could put Stevie Ray Vaughan if you want to blues, you know, mesh I like with Stevie God. Ray Vaughan. Right. I like him. I mean, there's so many unbelievable guitarists, you know, that are also, like, on the internet. Like, Instagram right now has just, like, mind-blowingly talented guitarists that play the instrument in ways that you may not have heard or seen before. There's a lot of innovation happening out there, a lot of blending of styles. So I, I have a hard time talking about who's the best guitarist. All I can speak to is who I personally feel is one of the greatest and one of the more innovative. And I think a guy like Jimi Hendrix, you know, is right there at number one, in my opinion. Can we agree that Slash looks the coolest? Yeah, he definitely looks. He looks a, the coolest. He is one of one of my favorite tones too. It's just such like a like the a, hair <laughs> coming down, the cigarette always burning, the top hat. Every, he looks the coolest. Slash Slash's guitar tone is like silk. That's what it sounds like to me. It sounds like silk. It's just so buttery smooth. It's great, you know. It's really fantastic. Where Jimi Hendrix looked pretty cool on stage too, though, Chris. He Some of the outfits cool. he used to work wear back in the day, playing guitar with his teeth falling to his knees, playing behind his head. Jimmy was cool too. He looked great on stage. Do you ever wear a bandana, Kevin? I do not. I do not. You would look you? awesome. You should wear a bandana I, I right now for the next, next pod. pod. Yeah, like yeah, a, yeah. a Jimi Hendrix bandana. Yeah. yeah. Not like a. <laughs> 
Not like a Danielson bandana. <laughs> like, a, <laughs> like I'm talking like a Jimi Hendrix bandana. Who, who are your favorite artists right now, Chris? Is there anybody you're listening to right now that's new or, or like it's new, new or like who? What are you into that might be even old right now? Well, I always pay attention to like whatever is like big on the big on the charts. Okay, you're um, a top so I, 40 guy. Yeah, not top 40, uh, all the charts, right? So I'll go through, so I have an awareness of everything that is going on. You got to remember, I got an 11-year-old too, so I hear a lot I of know. music yeah, exactly. um, on that end. That's but partially why I ask. What you're listening to could be what your kids are listening to. Oh, I just listened to, I actually just listened to that new uh, Morgan, Morgan Whalen album that came out. That's what I listened to this morning the, uh, when I was walking my dog. The uh, He's a country star. I kind of like him, honestly. Oh, is, that, is that the guy? Yeah, Morgan Whalen. I recognize the face. I don't, yeah, I don't know, I like I know him. the name. Morgan so I listened, to, I, I listened to that uh, this morning. Um, I've listened to all the all the new rap stuff, all of it. Like, you name it, I've listened to it. So, uh, like, all the new Lil Durk and uh, the Baby and uh, all, all those. Um, the one I hear all the time around the team is Lil Baby. Uh, John Morant might be the biggest little baby fan on earth. On earth. Um, I'm trying to think what else I've listened to recently. Not stuff that like, not not like some kind of underground stuff that you would never have heard of. I, I really, I go through uh, Spotify and I'll listen to like whatever's big on the viral charts too. So I try to catch things. But I mean, it's mostly stuff that people like, I would say. Like that, I would say obviously people like it if it's high on most of these. But I try to stay aware. I'm trying. I don't know if there's anything that's new. Um, this has been a bad year for albums, Kev. Like well, I'd mean, say twenty twenty twenty. It wasn't that much that came out. Yeah, it wasn't a ton. I, I really, thought, I, I thought this past year of all the music I listened to, there was a lot of really good singles and like a collection of songs off of albums. But I didn't hear a lot of full albums that I loved, 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 loved. Like, like there were, there were some good albums. I mean, like, you know, I, I really liked the live releases from Father John Misty and the War on Drugs. I loved, you know, what Mount Joy put out early in the year. And there's, you know, like even like uh, the Miley Cyrus album, a popular release. Yeah. I didn't think it was a great complete album. There were some really good songs on it. If we're talking about a mainstream artist there, um, I'd love to hear about you know who the listeners oh, think their top listen, albums are. I've, you know what's funny? I just pulled up my Spotify thing. I've, I've listened to a bunch of this Texas stuff. All these guys from Texas, they're kind of like the outlaw country guys, Co Wetzel and Cody Jinks. And I listen to a bunch. Of, it seems like a lot of country lately. Like a lot of those kind of guys is what I've listened to uh, more often than than the other stuff. You know, because the singer songwriter stuff that I usually love and whatever. You know, they haven't come out with a lot of music lately. Yeah, the the United States top 50 right now, that Morgan Whalen guy has two songs in the top four. The number like one song voice. is, is I like dri- his voice. I like Driver's Sta- License I, by Olivia I like Chris Stapleton's voice. I like, uh, yeah, I'd say, I'd say that's probably what, it, I mean, I, I, I'm looking here at the albums. There just haven't been any albums that I've even downloaded in forever. Like just full on, like where I've just listened to the same album over, over and, and over, over again. Yeah, 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 it's been a long time. I mean, yeah, I'm like looking at the top albums. Since I was, like, I, I, I'm trying to look back here, and it's just not. 
top albums worldwide right now, according to Spotify. Number one, Bad Bunny. Um, number two, Dua Lipa, yeah, Future no, Nostalgia. No, number three, no. Ariana Grande, Positions. Number four, Pop Smoke, Shoot for the Stars, Aim for the Moon. Number five, Taylor Swift, Evermore. Then you got Harry Styles. Oh, I listened uh, to the I listened World, to the Taylor the Swift stuff. BTS, Miley Cyrus, Bad Bunny again, Eminem, yeah, none of that. Post Malone. Yeah, none of that. Billie uh, Eilish, Kid Cudi. Kid Cudi. I did listen to the Kid Cudi album, and I listened to one of the one of the it's other. Got ones some you good mentioned. moments. Like, yeah. like the new Kid Cudi has some good moments, but it's not a truly great complete album like Man on the Moon One was. Well, and I listened to that other one that you were talking about. What was the other one? Oh, I, I listened. I listened to the Taylor Swift one. I like Taylor Swift. I did listen to that. Yeah, that had some good tracks on it. I like the new Taylor Swift too. Yeah, but there hasn't been all that much that's come out. Like, uh, I guess most of the it just wasn't a great year for music. The thing I don't is, think. is there, there's there's it's always, always new stuff. But. There's always good music. It's just about about finding it, and and it can often be a, a challenge. One of my friends, John, posted you know three Instagram you know posts the other day or or late last year about like his favorite albums, and I, I hadn't heard of a single one of them. And I've been slowly listening through each one of the albums that he posted, and there's a lot of really good music that's just hard to find. Or, like, you're not going to find it unless it's, like, word of mouth and somebody tells you about it. And some of it is just not your, you know, cup of tea. And some of it's not, but, like, I can appreciate it for being good music. There's always good music being released. It's just, sometimes you just got to find it. And that could, that's not always so easy, despite everything being available. The fact that everything's available, that can make it harder to find stuff. That's and fair. Got to be lucky sometimes. It's a lot of good music. It's just not anything that's resonated with me at a deep level where I know I'm going to listen to it all the time for the year and beyond. I think that's fair. Uh, Kevin, I will talk to you on Friday. Thank you to producer Sasha as always. And uh, make sure you listen to the ringer NBA show tomorrow. The first episode, Kevin, J. NBA Kyle university, Mann. baby. Yeah. And uh, Jonathan charts ringer university uh, starting tomorrow. So make sure you tune in to that. We will talk to you on Friday. See you everybody. Everybody.